0: Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang.
1: Welcome to the Sessor Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today we're talking to Dr. Gary McIntosh. Gary's the president of Church Growth Network and distinguished affiliate professor of Christian Ministry and Leadership at Talbot School of Theology. He's a former pastor and an internationally known speaker and church consultant who's written numerous books, including Growing God's Church and The Ten Key Roles of a Pastor. His latest is The Solo Pastor, Understanding and Overcoming the Challenges of Leading a Church Alone. But before we talk to Gary, I want to remind you that if you're enjoying our interviews, it would help us if you left us a review. Now let's go to Ed Stetzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the incoming dean at Talbot School of Theology. Gary, old friend, we
2: have, gosh, we have known each other for decades, and you have been uh an influence in many of my churches, my the ministries we've served. I've recommended your books, I've used them and more. And now, now I get to serve alongside you at the Talbot School of Theology, uh, whereas we heard just a minute ago, you serve as a distinguished member of the teaching faculty there. And we're excited about the uh the work we're gonna do together in the DMIN program as well. So lots, lots to come. We'll talk about that later. That's not the focus of our interview today, but today we're gonna talk about. Uh, two recent books that you have, and one of them is The Ten Key Roles of a Pastor, Proving Practices for Balancing the Demands of Leading Your Church. And, and then the other one we're going to talk about a little later is The Solo Pastor. So, uh, so again, if you're listening, you know, our audience is pastors and church leaders. You're going to find the walking through some of the ideas of the key roles, I think, to be super helpful uh, in our conversation. But there's also going to be something specifically, because a lot of times, you know, people ask, well, what about you know me as a solo pastor? That's a very particular it's a unique place of ministry and service. We're going to talk about uh, both of those today. So, so Gary, let's let's talk some because you have written uh, almost uh, thirty books. You, uh, I, I, you know, I joke about our mutual friend Elmer Towns that the man has no unpublished thought. You are close to that. You you have some unpublished thoughts, but not but not many. You've been writing in and around uh, pastoring. You published this book in twenty twenty one, the ten key roles of a pastor, um, which. Probably means you were finishing it up in COVID when during COVID shutdown, things of that sort. Because I'm telling you, it's really a challenging time to be a pastor today. So, as you look through, and you know, you can walk through the key roles if that's the best way to go. But as you look through, pastors are struggling with how to ba- find and balance their roles. And, and let's broaden it too. It's not just pastors, it's pastors and church leaders, because these are going to include staff members uh, on churches, these include men and women in different kinds of ministry. So how do these pastors and church staff members understand the roles that God has given them? And what does that look like, as as you wrote about, in the 10 key roles of a pastor?
0: Uh, Ed, good to be with you, my friend. And uh, looking forward to serving uh, closer together here in a a few months. Well, I uh, started doing this book because I wanted to find out where pastors were actually putting their time each week, and so it's kind of a a time survey, um, and it only focuses on the activities at church. So uh, I left off some activities like uh, sleep and <laughs> uh, and home life, and uh, you know time with the family and stuff like that. So I, I just focused on the kind of the work activities. Uh, what were pastors doing? Where were they putting their time? Um, not surprisingly the number one place the pastors tend to put their time is in preparation for speaking and teaching uh, because that's a lot of what the pastors do leading Bible studies, uh, preaching on Sundays and that sort of thing. So that, that was the number one thing. Uh, The thing that came in last, which was really surprising to me uh, was uh, engagement in the community because With all the talk we've had over the last 20 years or so about missional church and being missionally engaged in the community, I really expected to see pastors putting more time uh, out of their schedule to be missionally engaged in the community with uh, the public school system or maybe the fire department or maybe the uh, uh, mayor's office or something. And that came in last. Uh, Mm -hmm. Pastors really are putting little time into that. Uh, but in general, I'd say the big thing that I came out of this with is that the big challenge is to lead yourself as a pastor. That is the big challenge because, and this is really nothing new. Uh, pastors have a lot of demands upon their time, they have a lot of expectations on them, uh, whether a mega church or a little church. You know, The expectations press in on a pastor have this meeting, be on this Zoom call, you know, uh, speak at this event, whatever. And it really comes down, the effectiveness and fruitfulness comes down to pastors being able to manage themselves to, uh, I like to say, first, lead yourself, you know. Uh, Get control of your own life, uh, your own schedule, your own agenda. And, uh, you know, through that, you know, Uh, minister through your calling to your church and, and to people. Uh, But if you don't control your time and lead yourself, other people will lead you.
2: Yeah. Even as you listed the roles, it's not so easy to always do that. So I've got, you know, the the roles here. So you, you, you first talked about being a speaker. Uh, We won't go through all 10 at this time, but by the time we're done, we will. But, you know, speaker, captain, coach, executive director, those were the first five, And in many of those cases, it's, you have more directive ability, but when you get to counselor, you know, that's number six and some of the others, and even in coach, you don't know when somebody's going to need the coaching to step in. Um, And, you know, even in 2023, I mean, people, you know, we treat our inboxes like, like to-do lists. So basically every time you treat your inbox, like a to-do list, it's somebody else making your list for you. So, so how do I, when there's already a pretty high expectation on me, you know, as a pastor, how do I manage my time when those expectations of what a pastor is and does are so high? Or pastors, and church, we keep, you know, we keep talking about pastors and church leaders, but so how do our listeners, the, the leaders here, um, how, how do they do that in a world where other people set the expectations for them?
0: Again, you have to lead yourself, which means that uh, in a practical way, you you have to have a calendar. You have to put the important aspects of your life and ministry into that calendar first, and then you that leaves you only with a certain amount of time left, and so you're going to use that limited amount of time in a limited way, uh, and you know you balance that with your gifts and your calling. You know, a lot of pastors are not gifted with counseling, even though they have to do some counseling. Uh, If you find yourself uh, in an area where you're not gifted, you limit yourself to what you do in that area, and you also engage other people. I believe that God in every church, that God brings around us enough people with other gifts that if we're willing to uh, involve those other people, that, uh, we can get the job done. It doesn't mean we always do it personally, of course, but we involve other people. So if, if I'm not good at counseling, maybe there's some other people in the church that I can involve, involve in that area, or maybe I'm not as good in administration, uh, then maybe there's other people in the church that I can involve in administration. So it's, um, Involving the laity. Uh, I know we don't like to use the word laity anymore, but. yeah uh, no,
2: but, but it make people know what it is. So that helps us. You yeah.
0: know what it is. And so we're involving the laity. And, uh, you know, part of being an effective leader means that we've got to give ministry away to other people. We can't do it all. So we've got to give ministry away to other people. We've got to trust other people. We've got to allow other people. Step up and lead and serve in the church. And yeah. uh, frankly, a lot of pastors uh, still uh, find it difficult to delegate and to give ministry away, particularly in the smaller churches.
2: no, i I find it overwhelmingly this is a difficulty that pastors have. and and one of the even as the churches grow, you know the church may grow in size, but sometimes the pastor and staff has they haven't grown in their delegation gifts. Um, I, I was intrigued when you look at these different titles for these roles, speaker is kind of obvious and self-evident that, and I would say too, it's not just pastors, but most of the people who be on staff have some sort of speaking role, not all of them, but people who listen to us mostly do. Matter of fact, our series on the Great Communicator series, I think was the biggest, uh, you know, downloads. People were just fascinated, you know, wanting to develop their teaching and preaching skills. I'm for that. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us a little bit what you mean by captain in that, because that's the number two role um, you know, and, and we think of a captain, but well, you, you unpack it for us. Cause I'm, you know, as, uh, many of you are listening to podcasts and they're saying, well, I'm the captain now little quote from a movie there for you. So what does that mean to be the captain?
0: What I mean is that somebody has to, uh, set the direction for the church. Um, uh, a lot of talk about vision and, uh, casting vision for the future. Um, so it's, it's the difference between, uh, uh, being the, uh, the pilot of a ship that steers the ship or the captain of the ship who comes down and says, uh, steer a course for Jamaica. Uh, so uh, as the captain of the ship, uh, I believe it relates to the, the, the Greek word proieste me, to stand before. So the pastor stands before the congregation, uh, predominantly oftentimes through the speaking gift, and through that gift, through the preaching of the word of God, you have to point a direction for the church. Where are we going? Uh, so yes, we're teaching the word of God and building people up in that way. But through that speaking, we're also saying, this is where we're headed as a church. This is where we're going. This is our vision. This is our hope for the future. Uh, where are we going to be 10 years from now? And uh, as a captain, uh you know, we would all say that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he is. He's the head of the local church. But uh, he works through the under-shepherd, the pastor who's doing the preaching and the teaching, to, to point the people to a better future. And so that's the captain's hat. That's the, the number two thing that most pastors say they put their time into, helping carve out and set a particular direction for their particular church.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's really key because um, I was trained to preach in seminary, but I don't know that I was trained to uh, to lead. I mean, we I, use the term captain, but I mean, it's certainly, obviously, tied to the idea of leadership and and how we lead through those rallies. Um, I'm I'm intrigued because as we go around, if people see the cover of the book, it goes around and has these these ten key roles sort of listed out around in a circle. Um, But there are others that all seem to come back to issues of leadership that maybe a lot of pastors uh, and church leaders aren't, they weren't trained for. And again, a little plug for the good work you do at Talbot. This is what you you teach is in the area of Christian ministry and leadership and more. So if we just keep going, uh, coach, executive, director, those are three things. and, And I'd like you to touch on all three, but there's obviously differences between them. And you point people to best practices in those roles as well. So if you wouldn't mind, just kind of walk through those so we get a picture of what that is.
0: Well, the the third one was the coach, which is uh, uh, helping other people be everything they can be in Christ and, and through their gifts. So, uh, yes, you know, we're coaching a lot of times when we're, we're talking to people individually. Uh, trying to advise them to give them better practices to lift lift them up and uh i kind of see my role as a writer as a coach uh, you know all of my books are kind of coaching uh pastors to some extent and pastors do a lot of this you know as they converse with people uh the executive is more the administrative type of role um you know organizing the church and and uh uh, you know that could fit into even uh, budget and uh and schedules and things of that nature pastors get involved a lot in that um, even if pastors aren't gifted in administration uh, the role just kind of fits into that um the director has to do with directing Ministries uh, uh you know we used to say programs but uh, uh, all churches have, programs or ministries that they run and function alongside the, it's not just all about preaching. Uh, you know, you have children's ministries, you have youth ministries, you have men's and women's ministries, and there's, there's probably six or seven traditional things that churches typically do. And then there's a, a myriad of other things that uh, churches do uh, programmatically uh, to function uh, you know, week to week, month to month. And the pastor usually gets involved to some extent in, uh, directing those starting, uh, new programs, uh, things like that.
2: Okay. So, so when you look though, once you got teaching and preaching, right, that's, that's number one, you, you called it speaking there, but it, it, you defined it, you know, including all those things. And then the next five, uh, the next four things, um, are actually things in and around leadership. There are, there are different ways that you engage captain, coach, executive, director. Right. Uh those are different ways. And yet, um, yet I think that for many people who go into pastoral ministry, they go into pastoral ministry because they care for people. Number six is counseling by the counselor, because they care for people. Some are kind of drawn towards the pastoral care aspect and then find themselves being leaders of organizations. Some right. went into this to become preachers or teachers, and then find themselves as leaders of organizations. Uh, so so how would you recommend that pastors and church leaders shore up and build up? You've already mentioned managing your time, but how can they shore up and build up the kind of skills that they need to be captain, coach, executive, and director?
0: You are right. It's all about leadership. And unfortunately, Bible colleges, seminaries uh, historically did not teach much about leadership. Uh, We got a lot of Greek and Hebrew and understanding about exegesis, and that's all important, no doubt about it. Uh, But then you get into a church and you find out you only preach on Sunday. So what do you do Monday through Friday? And uh, Monday through Friday, you do a lot of uh, administrative directing. You do a lot of coaching of other people, recruiting. Uh, You know, you do a lot of executive stuff uh, in the church. I think what we have to do is uh, we have to be learners. We we got to realize the pastorate is a lifetime learning uh, event. It's it's not a one time event. It's a lifetime of events of learning and growing and developing. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of uh, people when they graduate from seminary, they don't read much after that. A lot of pastors today, they just simply get their assistance off of blogs and short little articles, uh, some of which are very good, some of which are not. Uh, But I think uh, the main thing is, again, we have to lead ourselves. And one of the things we want to lead ourselves on is being a lifetime student. And we have to learn to lead. And so we have to read about leaders. We have to read about leadership. We have to begin to practice uh, better uh, ways of working with other people. Um, you know, again, it just gets back to self-leadership. If, if, uh, if we want to be uh, more fruitful, more productive, then we're going to have to uh, put some research into that. And um, one of the roles I put in this book was number seven, which is a student uh, yeah. that the pastor has to be a lifetime uh, student. And I think that's part of it uh, getting further training. I, you mentioned the doctor of ministry program earlier. Uh, I personally think that the doctor of ministry has been the best um. Uh, the best new thing added to seminaries in the last 70 years. Uh, Because what it's done is it's taken pastors who have been in ministry 15, 20, 25 years and allowed them to go back to school for some further training. And so they've been able to go back and to uh, update their skills. You know, uh, when I first went into ministry as a pastor, Uh, We had no computers. We had no cell phones. A lot of the social things that we face today in our society, uh, you know, we weren't facing those, uh, you know, 50 years ago. Uh, Ministry changes fast. Every five years, if a person's been out of seminary five years, they're probably out of date. Uh, If they're out, if they've been out 10 years, they're really out of date. (laughs) You know, and uh I think the Doctor of Ministry program has been a help to that in that it's, a, it's given pastors a, a process to go back and retool, uh, to rethink their calling uh, with a better understanding of their gifts and training, because they've been in ministry 15, 20 years, and they understand themselves better, and they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses. Uh, I would always encourage pastors to keep learning. Go to a conference once a year, you know, read a book a month. You can do it. Uh, keep learning.
2: Yeah, I would say you've been a little too self-promotional on the Talbot d but I'm going to let it slide for obvious reasons. Let's do it. Because <laughs> uh, we're going to have fun in that d program. But yes, but but I do think it's interesting. I was having a uh, lunch with a uh, pastor here in uh, in Wheaton. Uh, gosh, I don't even know, a few, a few months ago. And he's a recent graduate of, uh, Cambridge, I think PhD from Cambridge, uh, master's in divinity, I think from Westminster. And we were just sitting down and we were at lunch and he'd been out for maybe four or five years. Uh, And he said that most of the questions that I'm having conversations about, I didn't cover at all in seminary. And they, we talked a little bit about, uh, transgenderism, uh, same sex attraction, same sex marriage, um, we were talking some about the reaction to the COVID pandemic, um, political division. So, so the idea of ongoing really is, is important. It's also a little intimidating, Gary, because I mean, even in your, your, your book, again, it's the 10 key roles of a pastor and we're going to talk about solo pastor in just a second, but that's a lot of roles, my friend, that's a lot of, and then you want to be a student on the top of all of this. And you keep coming back to self-management. I think that's important. Self-leadership. I think that's important. Um, how do you encourage pastors to keep this all together? And just, I, I don't think I said the other ones you said six was counselor, seven was student. We haven't mentioned eight pioneer, nine conductor and 10 uh, reporter. And I encourage people to pick up the book and they can go through all of those, but, I, but you have been, yeah, there, here you go. The 10 key roles of a pastor. Uh, but, but here's the thing um, is, I think for right now, the last few years, you published this in 2021, For most pastors, the last two or three years have been, if they've been in this for a while, this has been the most difficult years to lead. Um, Maybe, you know, even stepping away from the book for a second, what advice are you giving pastors right now? Because that's, our audience is hungry for wisdom from someone who's, uh, you know, researched and, and been faithful on this journey. And I'm so thankful for how you've spoken in so many lives. What advice would you give to them about leading well in this time?
0: Again, I'm going to say it again. You got to
2: lead yourself. No, you got to to give me more than that because you said that. So I'm with you. But how do you, you again, I love love that you have a very clear theme. But right now, they're feeling buffeted and they're feeling in tumult and turbulence. So I guess lead yourself. But how when everyone's mad at you? I mean, people aren't used to this level of criticism all the time. People aren't used to this level of dissonance all the time. So how does that flow out of leading yourself?
0: You've got to renew your own prayer life and uh, your spiritual walk. That's number one. Number two, you've got to carve out some space in your life to uh, have some alone time and to think. Uh, For me as a pastor of of a smaller church years ago, I found that I could not do that at church. I had to go away. And uh, I've mentioned this before uh, in in other podcasts and things. What I did is I went over to the public library on Tuesday mornings from nine to noon and hid out Mm -hmm. uh, because I needed space uh, in my life to be able to think and to pray and think about what God was doing and what the future held and you know, issues at church and that sort of thing. And I could not get that space um, at church. So I had to find another place to, to get that space. Um, I had to set priorities. You know, what was the most important thing at that particular time uh, for me to be doing with my own time, uh, with my own schedule, Um Number four, I had to find somebody else to talk to. Uh, A lot of pastors are extremely lonely. They don't have other people to talk shop with. Uh, They don't have other friends that are in the ministry, so to speak, uh, in a a full-time capacity that is making their living from the gospel. Um, Elders in the church are certainly helpful and supportive uh, but a lot of elders, uh, they have their own work. They have their own lives. They go home at night. They don't think about the church the way a pastor does. And uh, so you have to find some other person that you can trust and you can talk to, uh, to get other perspectives. Because uh, a lot of times we just get wrapped up in our own church and our own issues. And and we can't get a... a a perspective of what God is really doing. And it really helps to have somebody else to talk to. Now, if a pastor can't find anybody to talk to, um, I think what you have to do is you have to hire a coach. There's a lot of people available today for pastors to coach them. Um, And a lot of times all a coach does is just help you think things through. And I really think that that's important for a lot of pastors today.
2: Yeah, and I, and I get right now like there's so much growth in non-denominational Christianity, and I'm not. Uh, that's that's great. Um, I would also say too. Many times, someone has asked me to coach them, and I, I've done a little bit. Mainly, I coach denomination leaders now, but um, I would often say to them, "I can't, but you should. Um, you know, connect with someone in your denomination who can." That's that's a lot of times where, and and then sometimes they don't have a denomination. So what I would say is there are places to connect with networks and more and. A lot of times people, when they hear about coaches, you know, their, their coaches are very expensive, um, but there are coaches who are not. And they often have experience and wisdom of, of decades of ministry. And a coach doesn't even like, like coaches in the NFL are not generally successful NFL players. So a coach is often someone who asks the right questions and help bring out the best of your leadership. So you don't have to, I mean, somebody, I, I need a coach who's pastor a church of a thousand because I'm pastor in a church of 300. No, no, you don't. You need someone who will walk with you yes. on that journey. But anyway, I'm preaching now. I just I've, I've frustrated with that because I agree a lot of times a lot of times over the years I've had to say to people, you know, first, when you're setting yourself out all by yourself, there's a reason you don't make coaching relationships. The Nazarenes have coaching relationships. But anyway, that's another story for another day. All right. So let's let's change the subject a little bit. Well, really, maybe narrow down the subject a bit. So the the new book that you just had come out uh, in 2023 is called uh, The Solo Pastor: Understanding and Overcoming the Challenges of Leading Church Alone. And so um so cuz here's the reality most um churches are now most most people don't go to most churches, but most churches are smaller. The median sized church of the United in the United States is under hundred. Matter of fact, it's the case case over across all the English speaking Western world. I think uh, the the newer study came out that may have bumped that up just a little bit, but but the reality is, uh, the solo pastor is probably the normative experience in the church. Yet, most of our conversations are geared towards multi staff. Um, so you wrote this book, The Solo Pastor. Um, and let's let's just jump into the conversation here. Um what do you mean by solo, solo pastor? <laughs> I think I said solar pastor. So what do you mean by solo pastor? and and what do you think are some of its benefits and challenges?
0: A solo pastor is a person who is uh, serving a church without other paid staff. So a solo pastor may have deacons, may have elders, may have other people to help them and assist them, uh, may even have a part-time secretary sometimes, but essentially the solo pastor is a person who's leading the church as the only trained pastor uh, type person in the church, most likely the only paid person uh, in the church. We're looking in the USA at about 75% of all churches, uh, which is somewhere around 300,000 churches or so, uh, are led by a single uh, person. Um, it's challenging, we, you know, talk about the, 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 the 10 key roles of a pastor. In a larger church, uh, you know, uh, what we do is we take those 10 key roles and we parcel them out to other staff members So, you know, we may have an executive pastor, and so that takes that hat basically off of the desk or off of the head, I guess you would say, uh, of the lead pastor. But in the smaller church, uh, typically under 200, you're going to be seeing a solo pastor who's wearing all those hats and many times taking one hat off and putting the other on within an hour or two uh in fact, wearing multiple hats in the in the same day i I talk about that in the opening uh of how one time I wore four different hats in one day uh just within a matter of just a couple of hours uh in the solo uh pastor church. um number one challenge of solo pastoring is the al- being alone, uh yeah. feeling alone and without other people to talk to. And I agree with your uh, last comment, too, that sometimes, depending on your denomination or your association or network of churches, you can get a lot of supportive help and coaching through those uh, avenues. But honestly, in some denominations, associations, and networks, uh, it's not there. Uh, It's more of a feeling of competition rather than of support, unfortunately. Uh, And so a lot of solo pastors find themselves really uh, alone with really nobody to talk to uh, and to get advice from.
2: Yeah, and I I think, and again, I want to be careful here because uh, I recognize people have different denominational traditions. I'm an advocate for connectionalism. I think we need one another. If you're not in the denomination, you can be in a network, you can be in a community. There's lots of places and ways to do that. And particularly for solo pastors right now, Going through the cultural turbulence we're in right now, I talk about we need reservoirs of resilience. That's a whole different conversation. And we need communities of support. And solo pastors are already by themselves and typically in vocational ministry, though though I think we could say a substantial or also bivocational. Uh, yeah. But then also if they're outside of any network or denomination, additional challenges that are also there. You also talk in the book about um, maybe how do you address, because solo pastors often have uh, people in the church who may be patriarch or matriarchs. There's a lot of complex relational dynamics that are there. Um, They're called to lead. That's one of the roles that they have. And if they're leading well with integrity, with character, with skill, we want to be for that. But sometimes there's also in a smaller church, um, strong forces of opposition can arise and sometimes they arise inappropriately like bullies. How does, how does, I I took a long time to lead up to that because I wanted to say that that, you know, one of the things I think pastors sometimes think is disagreeing with them is like disagreeing with God. And people can not be on the same page and not be bad. But also, too, we do find in solo pastor situations, you wrote about it, that sometimes there's bullies. What does that look like? i I'm, I'm, And I'm not talking about the pastor, though we know there are pastors who are bullies. I'm talking about when they're trying to lead and they're finding some of that in a church.
0: Yeah. So uh, in the smaller churches, a lot of times the only reason the smaller churches existed for many years is because there is a faithful family that has continued to serve and to give and to uh, keep that church functioning over the years, particularly in the smallest uh, churches. A lot of times those people are, are godly people, uh, but uh, over the years they've gained a measure of control uh, and a measure of power, and uh, it's difficult for them to release that control and power to anyone else, uh, particularly a, a solo pastor. Uh, I think where it becomes a bully is uh, when the the control is there primarily to keep the power and keep the control. Uh, and occasionally people will... Um, would do harm uh, to the pastor and to the church itself by insisting uh, that they continue to have the power and the control. Uh, And, you know, I think we see this in the scripture, uh, uh, you know, talking about Diotrephes, who uh, likes to be first among them. Uh, uh, I talk about that in the book. Uh, I think this is nothing new. Uh, in the church. Uh, A lot of times in smaller churches, the pastors don't have to uh, deal with these bullies by themselves. Again, the solo pastors alone.
2: Makes a difference.
0: uh, They have to deal with this bully uh, by themselves. So I give a lot of uh, tips in the book on how to approach that. Uh, I think a lot of times the pastor just needs to stand firm of what they believe God is calling them to do and what the vision for the church is. Uh, But it's difficult to do by yourself sometimes.
2: So what, you know, tying in the themes of the two books, uh, what are essential steps solo pastors need to take to do their jobs well? What are some essential steps for those solo pastors?
0: I think the, the, the key thing that I talked about in the book about is a, a solo pastor needs to look at the volunteers in the church as their staff. Uh, a lot of times solo pastors will tell me, well, Gary, I don't have a big staff. And I, and I say, well, yes, you do. Uh, anybody who is in the church who volunteers two or three hours a week, is treat them like staff. Pull them together. Have a staff meeting. Talk about the vision. Talk about the future of the church. Make assignments uh, for activities and uh, parts of the ministry that you need to do. Uh, I think that's a major thing that would really help a solo pastor. Just start thinking of your volunteers as your staff and then begin to treat them as staff and to to delegate work uh, to them. Um, As we can hand off ministry to other people in the church, typically the church begins to grow because you, you're you creating leaders in the church. And leaders, by, by definition, a leader has followers. So if we can lift other people up in the church to be leaders, then they will, by definition, attract some followers. And that will, in itself, begin to help the church expand, help the church to, to, to grow.
2: Okay. So specifically with just pressing in a little more, one of the things you've talked about is managing expectations in, in, in the book. Again, the book we're talking about here now is the solo pastor, uh, but in the book and also in the 10 roles book we talked about as well. So, so the question is how do solo pastors and this lab implication for everybody, how do solo pastors manage people's expectations and work with limited resources? It's a little different than the multi-staff church.
0: I suggest that a solo pastor take a normal week, if, if there is such a thing as a normal week. But I, what I mean by that is stay away from Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas. Just take a normal week throughout the year. Keep track of what you did that week. And then when you meet with your board, uh, your session, uh, your board of directors at the church, uh, your elders, uh, ask them, to tell you and make a list of what they think you ought to be doing with your time during the week. And then once you have what the, the, the board thinks, then show them what you actually did uh, during the week. And seek the advice of your leaders that you have in the church around you. Ask them, well, how do these two things fit together? What your expectations are, what, what I actually do with my time. And, uh, you know, how do we, you think we should work this out together? Uh, it's just conversation, I think. A lot of times uh, the church will have expectations, the pastor has a set of expectations. But what I discovered is they never talk to each other. Hmm. Uh, the pastor never says to the board, these are unrealistic expectations. And the board never talks to the pastor and says, you're not doing what you we think you ought to be doing. And so I think it starts with conversation. And the pastor is going to have to generate that conversation uh, because typically the the leaders, the elders, the board, they, they won't generate it. Um, they'll criticize you, but they won't talk about it. And so I say, let's sit down, let's have a conversation about the realities of of the amount of time that's available, what what the pastor's already doing, you know, and, and see if we can, can reach an understanding uh, of what are some proper expectations. I think that'll go a long way just talking about it.
2: Important conversation. I want to ask you 50 more questions, but we've gone too long already. Uh, we talked about two books. Maybe that's why we went too long, is we talked about the 10 key roles of a pastor uh, that Gary published in 21, and then the brand new book, The Solo Pastor. That just came out in 2023. Both are by Baker Books. Um, and uh, excited to be working with, you can tell I'm excited, working with Gary and partnering together there at the Talbot School of Theology. And you can tell we're excited about our demon program as well. So we'll make that an invitation to you. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks, Gary, for being our guest. Thanks for our listeners. As always, leave a review. As always, uh, help people to find the podcast as well. Thanks
1: for listening.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: You've been listening to Dr. Gary McIntosh. Be sure to check out his new book, The Solo Pastor, Understanding and Overcoming the Challenges of Leading a Church Alone. Thanks again for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments, leave us a review. That'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.
0: You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.